Okay, let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to James chapter 2 this morning. James chapter 2. Are you thankful for your Bible this morning? Uh, Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for our Bibles this morning. Thank you that we have the liberty to own a Bible, to open a Bible, to share the Bible, uh, to distribute the words of God uh, as we see fit. Uh, And we do see fit. Amen. We weren't able to get out this past uh, Saturday, yesterday, but uh, Lord willing, we'll be uh, back house to house in Trumbull. Uh, next Saturday morning and invite and encourage you to join us if you possibly can. That's a, a wonderful liberty that we enjoy and uh, of course Lord calls us to take uh, full advantage of that. James uh, chapter 2 this morning. Of course last week uh, we looked at the first uh, half of the chapter looking at the Lord's call that we take care Uh, to not be respecters of people, to not wrongly discriminate uh, uh, against people, to not choose some carnal thing to be the basis for uh, looking down upon people and discriminating against them uh, negatively. Uh, The Lord does not do that. I'm not sure exactly we brought that into the message last week. The Lord is not uh, a respecter of persons, and he calls us to take care uh, to not do that either. And it's because of him that we can find strength and grace in our own heart Uh, to be faithful, to be obedient uh, in that area. Uh, I I shared uh, with someone this week that I I think last Sunday morning's message was uh, especially important for a number of reasons. And if if you weren't able to be here uh, or weren't able to listen to it online, I want to encourage you to do that. Brother Ray, we we know we had a sound problem with the live stream last week. There's some noise in there, but uh, you can listen to it. It's it's uh, it's understandable. I want to encourage you if you if you didn't do that last week, just go ahead and take a listen. And and what is it? And, and praise the Lord that our, our live stream sound issue has been resolved. A lot of work went on here yesterday to solve that, some hardware issues and, and, and other things. And we're thankful, Ray, Ray thanks for all of your uh, help in that regard. So, uh, yeah, amen. Um, do I see uh, Sister Rhonda Shalomas with us this morning? Uh, Sister, I don't want to embarrass you any more than I just did, but I think we do well to acknowledge that you're able to be back in church this morning. Uh, Ed, it's good to have you too, but you know, but but you're kind of here a lot, so you know. <laughs> the wives always get all the attention. Sister Rhonda, we are we are very grateful that you're able to be here this morning. It's an answer to prayer. It's been kind of a long road, hasn't it? Uh, but. It's a big answer to prayer. We're we're very thankful that you're able to be with us this morning. Uh, God did that, and, and we're uh, it, it's a wonderful answer to prayer. Of course, your heart has been to be here also. We know that, and no doubt God will bless you uh, for being here this morning. Thank you for being uh, an encouragement to us, sister. Your your faithfulness and and prayerfulness all throughout your trial has been a a wonderful encouragement to me. Now we're done embarrassing you, okay? James 2 this morning, uh, James 2 addresses uh, the the topic of faith and works, uh, faith and works. And, you know, I've I've preached and taught this passage a number of times, and I've acknowledged uh, each time probably that if you only had this passage of Scripture, 
uh, you might conclude that good works are required in order to be saved. You, you might conclude that if this is the only portion of Scripture that you had, uh, you might reasonably conclude that in order to be forgiven of my sins, I have to exercise a humble, repentant faith in Christ, but also uh, I need to perform good, obedient, faithful works uh, in order to be saved. You, you, you might conclude that. Uh, I'm going to say this. Are you glad this morning that we have the whole Bible? Uh, are you glad this morning that, that we live in a time when the, the canon of Scripture is, is completed? We, we have all 66 books of God's words uh, given by him supernaturally, the individual words given, the individual words preserved by him. Uh, and so we have the, the wonderful privilege and opportunity to compare uh, Scripture with Scripture and uh, view passages uh, through the lens of, of the rest of Scripture uh, and, and make good, reasoned, uh, spirit-led uh, decisions about, about how to understand these passages. I'm going to say this this morning. Uh, you cannot miss the truth this morning. You cannot miss the, uh, the, the, the fact the Lord is, is underscoring, underlining, highlighting, and drawing a star next to the truth. This morning we'll see this, that saving faith, faith that will save someone from hell, is a faith that necessarily produces good works in a believer's life. Did you get that? Saving faith, not, not just belief, intellectual assent to some truth. Uh, the devils have that, and we'll see that this morning. But, but faith that is exercised in Christ and what he did upon the cross uh, as the basis for our forgiveness, uh, that, that, that's faith that will save you from hell. Amen. But that faith is a faith that always results in good works. Uh, works that are pleasing to the Lord, obedience to him, uh, service to one another, loving service to one another, uh, and, and loving service to the Lord. Uh, this, of course, is a great evidence of salvation. Uh, works are not the way that one is saved, and we'll take care to see some verses that deal with that this morning. Uh, but but uh, humble, repentant faith in Christ that saves someone from a very real, very fiery, very uh, eternal hell is a faith that will produce works. Uh, aren't you encouraged this morning when, when you look around uh, at brothers and sisters in Christ and you see uh, you see works in their lives. You see they're taking care to demonstrate love to each other. You see that they're fighting their way to church, as we talked about last week. Uh, if, if they can only be in church to encourage someone with their presence, they understand that that's God's plan, that's his desire. They, they understand that, that, that being there is a loving encouragement. Uh, but maybe someone else is able to do more. They're, they're, they're able to get out and serve and, and help and show love in all different kinds of ways. And, and you're able to see that. Are you encouraged by that? Are you encouraged by that? Amen. Uh, amen. The Lord's pleased by that too. Uh, let's stand together if you're able to this morning. I want to read from uh, verse 14, uh, James 2, verse 14, um, down through uh, verse 26, the end of the chapter. We'll, we'll read this. We'll stop. We'll pray. We'll jump right in. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 14 
Uh, James, writing under inspiration, God's words, asks, What doth it profit my brethren? He's writing to save people, brethren. Though a man say he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? Uh, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, uh, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, verse 17, if it hath not works, faith. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is what? Dead, being alone. Verse 18, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Verse 19, he continues, thou believest that there's one God, there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works, church is what? Dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with works? Seeth how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Uh, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Verse 24, <coughs> James continues, Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab, Gentile woman, the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers. Uh, and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, that's the definition of death, so faith without works is what, church? Dead also. Lord, help us to understand that faith without works is dead. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you this morning, Lord, for this passage. Uh, Lord, we, we understand this morning it, it has to be read and understood in the context of, of all of Scripture and uh, understood through the lens of uh, the, the total canon of Scripture. Lord, we do thank you this morning for the clear understanding that saving faith is faith that results in works that please you in service, in obedience. Lord, help us to get a hold of that this morning. Lord, we thank you this morning for the cross. We thank you this morning for uh, all of our Bible, every word. Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege to assemble together and spend time uh, just for these few minutes now uh, examining this important, important passage. Help us, Lord. Help me as well, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, I want to just jump in here this morning. Uh, take some notes, please. We'll get a few ideas down quickly, please. Number one, faith without works uh, has little value in God's eyes. Uh, number one this morning, faith without works has little value uh, in God's eyes uh, for, for several reasons. And un underneath that, let's, let's list some reasons here. The first one, letter A, or however you want to take your notes this morning, it's letter A for me. Uh, faith without works has little or no value because, first of all, uh, it's not saving faith. Uh, it's not saving faith. Look again in verse 14. What doth it profit? 
the same word profit there is translated advantage in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, what does it profit? What advantage is there, my brethren? He is writing to save people, people who place their faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin. Uh, Though a man say he hath faith and, and have not works, uh, can faith save him? Well, we understand this morning, and let's, let's be clear, uh, saving faith is saving faith, right? Uh, anyone this morning who would repent of sin and place their faith in Christ, uh, you're forgiven, right? The Bible makes that clear. Uh, yes, repentant faith saves someone. Make some notes. Romans 3 and verse 24, the Bible says, uh, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption uh, that is in Christ Jesus. We understand we've been made right in God's eyes uh, through the redemption that is available to us, made available to us by Christ and the cross. We turn to him, we place our faith in him, uh, we're forgiven. His righteousness is imputed or paid on to our account. That is the central truth of the entire Bible, amen? Uh, church, is that the case? Is that the central truth of the entire Bible? The whole Old Testament is about Christ and salvation. The whole New Testament is about Christ uh, and, and salvation and the way that we're made right in God's eyes. Romans 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but... Uh, but instead believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted uh, for righteousness. Uh, in, in the most technical sense, James' question, uh, the answer to his question is yes, can faith save us? Yes, uh, saving faith uh, placed upon the Christ of Scripture, uh, not the Christ of the cults, not the Christ who's the brother of Satan or some other made-up Christ of the cults, but the Christ of Scripture, the only begotten Son uh, of God the Father, uh, saving faith uh, is, is faith that is simple, humble, repentant faith placed upon him. But we understand this morning, we've said this already, I believe, and no doubt Rich will say it again, that uh, faith that doesn't produce righteous biblical works uh, is not saving faith. Uh, saving faith is a faith that always produces works, service, obedience. Uh, it always results in that. I understand that might be more evident in one person's life than in someone else's life. I understand that some people are more spiritually mature. Some people are less spiritually mature. You, say, you may see more obedience, more works in the life of someone who is more spiritually mature. That would be the definition of spiritual maturity, a yieldedness that produces a greater obedience uh, and greater service in that person's life. Someone else is less mature, perhaps less yielded, less obedient. They've had less time to grow up in the Lord. They're being sanctified just like the first person, but less time has resulted in, in uh, less opportunity for growth. We have a little baby here this morning, Ophelia. We're grateful for it. She is just the cutest thing. Is she, church, amen? 
Amen. Uh, she wasn't born an adult, was she? That would be a bad thing, mom and dad. That would not be good. I remember when, when Chris was expecting Zach, I was very concerned. Will we be able to take care of him? Will, uh, will, will we be able to deal with all the things that, that children uh, face? And we had to get a hold of the idea, all you have to do first is, is deal with the needs of a baby. Now, they're significant, uh, but, but they're just the needs of a baby. When you get that down, the baby's grown up a little more, you move on to other things. The baby grows up on a little more, parents need to deal with other things, but the Lord prepares us for more difficult things along the way. That's a good design, mom and dad. We praise God for that. We're not born uh, all grown up physically, and we're not reborn spiritually all grown up either. The Lord grows us. He sanctifies us over a period of time as we yield to him. That said, someone who has been saved There'll be a change that's evident in their life pretty quickly. There'll be a desire for obedience pretty quickly. There'll be a desire to understand the things of God pretty quickly. There'll be a desire pretty quickly to serve the Lord who gave everything to save me, who laid down his life for me. There'll be a desire pretty quickly uh, to serve the Lord. Would you turn over to Ephesians 2? Would you go there quickly, please? I should have said that before. Uh, go over to Ephesians 2, please. Usually, when we look at Ephesians 2, uh, we look at verses 8 and 9, and we stop there. I want to do that this morning. I want to look at verses 8 and 9, but I want to go just a little bit further. We're not going to stop there this morning. Uh, Ephesians 2, Bible says here, uh, of course, this is Paul writing under inspiration to the Ephesian church. Uh, there again, that idea that church is central to God's plan for this time. Paul's writing to the church uh, at Ephesus. He says, for by grace are you saved through what? Faith. Uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That not of yourselves, you can't earn it. It's the gift of God. Look at verse 9. Not of what? Works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now see verse 10, please. Are you there? Everybody there? Look down at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. What are the next three words? Can we say them together, please? Unto good works, uh, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, we're not just saved to be saved. We're not, we're not just saved to avoid hell. Are you glad this morning that if you've placed your faith in Christ that you are saved from hell? Amen? Anybody here thankful for that this morning? Amen. If you've placed your faith in Christ, according to Scripture, you're saved from hell. By the way, if you've not placed your faith in Christ for forgiveness, uh, you can be 100% certain that when you draw your last breath, your next moment will be in hell. That, that's a Bible truth. We don't like it, but it's as true as any other Bible truth is. If you're not sure about your salvation this morning, you do right. You do right. Today is the day of salvation. Bob, get that right today. You don't know if today or tomorrow or what day is your last day. This is the most important truth that a man, a woman, a young person can deal with uh, in your entire life. Jesus says we are his workmanship, verse 10 there in Ephesians, created in Christ Jesus, not just to be saved from hell, but unto good works. That's the purpose for which, or at least one of the purposes uh, for which he saved us. 
Yes, we're saved from hell. Yes, we're saved to enjoy a relationship with the Lord. And uh, that might be the most important thing, but we're also saved to be a people who have been separated unto holiness for the purpose of serving him, doing works that please him, demonstrating love to him in our obedience and uh, serving others in love, which God before hath ordained that we should walk in them. This is God's plan for people who've been saved. James says, listen, understand, that's not just the Lord's plan. That will be the case. If you are genuinely saved, there will be these good works in your life. That's God's plan uh, that has been foreordained for, for the saved as he sanctifies us. It will be the case. It's God's plan, uh, and it will be the case. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, you know that verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, uh, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Praise God. Uh, Lord, thank you for making me new uh, in Christ the moment I came to him. Old things are put away, are put off. New things are put on. Old interests go away, the ones that don't fit the word of God and a life in Christ, uh, and, and replaced by uh, new things. Old works are put off, new works uh, are put on. Romans 8.29 says this, For whom he did foreknow, he, did also, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn uh, among many brethren. We're not Calvinists. We don't believe the Lord chose some to be saved, some not to be saved. But we do understand that those who've been saved have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's necessarily going to result in a growing obedience uh, in works in our life that please the Lord and evidence salvation in our lives. Uh, faith without works has little or no value because it's not saving faith. Saving faith always produces works. Amen? It's not how you get saved, but if you're saved, it will be the case. As the Lord works in us and through us, he produces works uh, in our lives. Look at verse 15, please. Look at verse 15. Uh, faith without works has little value, little or no value. Secondly, because it doesn't benefit anyone else. Doesn't benefit me, and it doesn't benefit anyone else either. Look at verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked uh, without clothes and, and destitute of daily food, lacking enough to eat, and one of you saith unto them, uh, hey, just depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Well, it doesn't profit much of anything at all. If you see a brother or sister in Christ, or anyone else for that matter, who doesn't have the clothing that they need and doesn't have the food that they need, if you just say, hey, have a good day, hope you have a nice day, hope you get the things that you need without actually doing what you could do to help meet those needs, has anything been accomplished? Nothing's been accomplished. This is, this is the point that James is making. Uh, we've been saved to serve. Uh, the service that we're called to is a vertical service to the Lord, but that involves a horizontal service to each other. We understand that. Uh, if, if you join this church, 
Uh, if you're not a member already, we'd love to talk to you about joining this church. If you've been saved and uh, you, you believe that the Lord would have you to be a member of this church, we have obligations to each other, don't we? And that includes uh, helping to meet each other's needs to the extent that uh, we're able to. I praise God that uh, a small church like ours has resources greater than that would be predicted by our size. Not that it's you know huge or, or unlimited, but we have some resources that we are able uh, to deploy to help meet each other's needs. Just st stop for a moment and say, praise God. Thank you, Lord, uh, that we're able to do that. We give to our uh, benevolence fund to accomplish that purpose through the church. You can meet needs privately, independently as, as well. We understand that the Lord intends us primarily to do that through the ministries of the church, through offerings and so forth. But, you know, you see someone that has a need, uh, you step in and, and meet that need as God lays that burden upon your heart uh, and, and you respond, you yield to the Lord by responding to that burden, meeting that need. That's evidence of salvation, that desire uh, and, and, and that strength received from the Lord to put that person before myself because giving from myself to that person necessarily means that I will have less so that they, they will have more. That necessarily involves putting that person before myself, their interests before mine. It involves a degree of faith. Hey, if I give to this person, will God still meet my needs? By the way, if you obey the Lord, will he still meet your needs? Church, amen. He's promised that, that if you'll seek Christ and his righteousness, he'll meet your, your actual practical needs. Don't, don't forget that. Lord, help us. Lord, help us understand this morning. Uh, saving faith produces works. Uh, faith without works has no value. It's dead, number one, because it's not saving faith. Number two, because it doesn't benefit uh, anyone else. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 42, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. You don't have an unlimited ability to do that, but you have an ability. We have an ability to do that. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 6 and beginning in verse 9, you can just listen, turn there if you like, but read a few verses here. He Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, uh, the writer of Hebrews, probably Paul, right, writes this, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Lord, give us a heart. Give us a heart for good works that conform to your word and to your will. Uh, give us a heart that our salvation would be lived out. Not, not just an inside thing, but, but uh, a thing that is lived out, that has arms and legs, that, that is that kind of biblical love that you call us to. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that we could be saved. But now he's called us as saved people to demonstrate love back to him in our obedience vertically, which requires doing good works and serving each other horizontally. Lord, give us a heart. Give us a heart for these things. Faith without works 
is dead. It has little or no value because it's not saving faith, number one. Number two, it doesn't benefit anyone else. It's, it's dead. Number three, uh, because faith without works is a faith that cannot be seen. Uh, it's a faith that cannot be seen. Look at verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is what, church? Dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Uh, I believe, and I think scripture bears this out here in, in a number of places, that the Lord intends for lost people to see our faith in action. Do you, do you believe that's the case? I understand that the gospel that we're called to preach is not a social gospel. It's not, you know, just win everyone to Christ by, by doing stuff for them or, or giving them everything that they need. Uh, that, that's a wrong emphasis. But, but neither does the Lord call us to do none of that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to share the gospel with someone because you did something for them and that opened a door to share the gospel. Uh, maybe you've had that opportunity. Maybe you had the opportunity to demonstrate some love to a lost person by, by helping them or, or meeting some need uh, over a period of time. And, uh, and eventually they said, you know, tell me, tell me why you're willing to do this. What, what's different about you? Uh, and that opened the door for you to say, well, let me tell you what's different about me. It's honestly, it's not me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, working in me and through me, giving me a heart for other people, giving me a heart to serve people, giving me a heart to demonstrate the same love to others that I have known from him. That can open a door to share the gospel. And I believe that that's probably uh, perhaps uh, what the Lord is alluding to here in verses 17 uh, and 18. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll just share a thought with you this morning. Um, I've mentioned it, and, and you know we do have a benevolence fund. Uh, it, it doesn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars in it, but, but there, are, there is some money that you have given uh, for meeting needs. And uh, as, as a pastor of a church, my understanding of Scripture would be that, that, that would be, those funds would be used primarily to meet the practical needs of, of people in our church. I think that would be the Lord's plan, that that would, that would be primarily how we use those funds. But I don't think that that precludes uh, an occasional opportunity. If we become aware of some need outside the church, uh, maybe a neighbor, you know, they, they need a tire or, or they need a little bit of money to help with a bill or, or some, some repair they could use some help with. I think we, we as a church could prayerfully consider uh, occasionally looking for opportunities like that to minister to a lost person uh, with the hope that the Lord would be pleased. We, we, we would be uh, exercising good works as, as saved people, that he would be pleased, but that also that might open the door uh, to sharing the gospel. We'll, we'll not put a social gospel priority out there, and we don't have unlimited resources, but uh, I do think that it would be appropriate as God makes you aware of a need and uh, as we prayerfully consider that, that might be something that, that we could do a bit more of 
uh, moving into the future. Consider that, pray about that, uh, and then as you become aware of opportunity, let, let me know. No guarantee, of course, that we can meet every need every time, but we could at least consider that. We could prayerfully uh, consider that. Faith without works is dead. Lord, give us wisdom to exercise works that evidence our faith. Lord, we, we understand here this morning that'll please you. That'll be an encouragement to uh, others in our church and might also just open a door uh, to share the gospel. Faith without works has little or no value. Faith, faith with works has great value. Amen. Now, I want us to see here, and we, we read the passage, so you, you know what's coming next, but uh, the next kind of major section here in, in our passage are three uh, interesting examples of what James has just said. Uh, three very interesting examples. Uh, one, a case where there's, um, there's belief, but no works that evidence saving faith. And then two cases or two examples, a Jewish man who exercised faith and works that uh, followed, uh, in his case, a, a work that came quite a bit later that was an evidence of his, Abraham. Uh, and then there's a Gentile woman who the Lord points to as having exercised faith uh, and then a work, a specific example, a specific thing, uh, that Lord says, hey, that, that is an evidence that was born out of her saving faith. And so uh, we have three very instructive, uh, God-given uh, examples or cases here that help us to get a handle on, on what the Lord is saying here this morning. Uh, so three, three uh, examples or three cases. The first thing uh, that we see here uh, is the case of the demons, the devils. We're not going to give them any glory this morning, but are they real? Are they real? They're real. Uh, they're the angels that rebelled against the Lord in the past, uh, who warred against the Lord in heaven. Of course, they lost that war uh, and, and were then expelled from heaven. Uh, and who today continue uh, to battle against the Lord and against his people, that includes us. There's much that we could say, much that we could add to that. We understand that they're engaging us in a spiritual battle today. Uh, isn't it good to keep in mind that we're on the winning side, we're on the winning team, church? That's a good thing, amen? Ophelia agrees. That, that was her first amen in church. Good, good job, Ophelia. Uh, look at verse 19. The demons, the devils, thou believest that there's one God. Do you believe there's one God, church? Amen. Uh, if, if that's the case, thou doest well. But then uh, the verse continues, the devils also believe. Do the demons believe that Christ is God the Son? They absolutely do. The demons that inter interacted with Christ in the New Testament, they recognized who he was. They recognized his authority. As he cast them out, they didn't say, nah, -uh. they said, they didn't say much, but they got out. They recognized his authority. Uh, thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. They have a fear of God. Uh, but... Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works uh, is dead? Uh, do the demons perform 
good, righteous works that would evidence that they have saving faith? Is that what they do? They do the opposite of that, right? They, they do the opposite of that. Uh, they war against the Lord. They war against God's people. They believe that God is. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he went to the cross. They know for sure that he bled, that he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. They know all of that is true. They believe that's true. But all that is is an intellectual assent to what is true. There's no trust in Christ for forgiveness of their sins. Uh, how do we know that? Well, one of the ways we know that is that their works are not righteous works. Their works are evil works that war against the Lord and, and his people. And so this is, this is a, just a, a good example uh, of the fact that belief without faith and works that follow is, is not saving faith. It's what we've said already this morning. Uh, and so we understand that. Uh, that is true for the devils, for the demons, and it's true for men too. You can have a head knowledge of the gospel. You may be here this morning, you say, hey, I, I know that Jesus is the Son of God. I know he died. I know he was buried. I know he rose again. I believe he is that. You may have the same head knowledge that the demons have, but if you've never repented of sin and placed your faith in him, you're not forgiven. You need to push that head knowledge down into your heart and say, Lord, today uh, is the day that I'm going to turn to Christ and, uh, and, and take what I know and, and begin to rely upon that, to begin to put my faith in that, to say, uh, Lord, I, I, I'll repent of sin and I'm going to now trust Christ to be the way that I'm forgiven, making it more than head knowledge, which the demons have, and heart knowledge that results in faith that results in works. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. The second case, we've mentioned it already, it's Abraham, uh, a Jewish man uh, who evidenced his saving faith through uh, his righteous works. Look at verse 21. Here's a question. Was not Abraham our father justified by works, which uh, when he had offered Isaac, his son, uh, upon the altar. Did he offer Isaac his son upon the altar? Yes, he did. The Lord said, you go and do that. Uh, and, and he was getting ready to do that. Now, uh, the Bible makes clear that, that he had a faith that God would pro provide a substitute. Uh, and so he, he went with that knowledge, but, the, but there was a great faith there. Uh, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac uh, his son upon the altar? Here's the answer in verse 22. Seest thou how faith, and then this word wrought, you see that word, wrought with his works, wrought with his works. Um, the word, the Greek word underneath wrought is the word that our English word synergy comes from. Do you know that, you know that word? Uh, two things that work together to produce another thing. Um, uh, there's a word in chemistry, a catalyst. Two things that come, one, something that uh, strengthens uh, something else, maybe in, in chemistry. The synergy, uh, to when two things come together and, and produce uh, something. Uh, seest thou, verse 22, how faith 
uh, wrought with works. Seest thou how faith wrought uh, synergies, forms a synergy with uh, his works, and by works was his faith made what? What does it say there? End of verse 22. Perfect. Complete. Complete. He was saved by faith. His faith produced works. The work is a complete picture of the faith that he had already exercised in the Lord. Uh, just in case there's any question about this, see the next verse, please. Verse 23. The scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, belief, and it was imputed or accounted to or paid onto his account for him for righteousness, uh, and he was called the friend of God. Uh, he was saved by faith before the cross, looking ahead to the cross, the same way that uh, today we're saved by faith looking back to the cross. Abraham's saving faith produced the work of being willing to offer his son if in fact that's what God commanded. Uh, that's quite a work, but it's one that, that serves James' purpose of, of illustration here uh, very, very well. Verse 24, see then that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So again, in context, we understand that works were an evidence of his salvation. So that's a Jewish man faith, saved by faith, which produced works. The other example, and we're done, is Rahab, not a Jewish man, but a Gentile woman, uh, a Gentile woman uh, as opposed to a Jewish man. Uh, you remember back in Joshua uh, when the spies were being sent into the land, uh, what did she do? She, she hid them, right? Uh, she hid them so that they would not be captured and, and, and probably killed. Uh, she understood as a woman who had placed her faith in the Lord that these were the Lord's men there uh, serving the Lord's purposes uh, for the Lord's people. And so she did the good work of hiding them, protecting them so that their service to the Lord uh, and his people would be accomplished. See the verse, verse 25, likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works uh, when she had received the messengers uh, and had sent them out another way? Uh, yeah, that was a work that was an evidence of her faith. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Uh, we're almost done, but um, in, in the last couple of minutes here, would you turn back to Joshua 2? Could we go back there and, and just see uh, her testimony very quickly? Uh, back to Joshua 2, just, just quickly, please. Uh, if you would turn back to Joshua 2, uh, let's pick it up here in verse 9 and see just a little bit of this uh, for our help, for our encouragement this morning. Uh, Joshua 2, beginning uh, in verse 9, uh, Rahab's testimony, uh, her testimony, beginning, uh, Joshua 2, beginning in verse 9, she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. She knew the Lord. She knew of him. She knew that the Lord had given uh, his people the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faith, uh, faint because of you. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord 
dried up the water of the Red Sea. Uh, she had knowledge that when the people came out of Egypt, the Lord had miraculously parted the Red Sea to aid their escape. When you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion and Og, uh, whom ye utterly destroyed. Uh, verse 11, and as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She saw the Lord. She understood who he was through his actions. Uh, very clearly, very evidently, she's come to faith in the Lord. She says in verse 12, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and, uh, and give me a true token. And you understand, you, you remember the things uh, that followed. She heard about the Lord. She very evidently had placed her faith in the Lord uh, and evidently, consequently, uh, there's this wonderful work, this wonderful service to the Lord uh, and to God's people that she desires to carry out. Uh, the demons have a head knowledge of Christ. They know who he is. There's, they have no question about the gospel. They know it's true. But they've not placed their faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin. And that's evidenced by their wicked works. Abraham, a Jewish man, and Rahab, a Gentile woman, Old Testament believers, having placed their faith in the Messiah who was to come, began to evidence works that were in fact an evidence of their faith. We have the privilege of being New Testament believers on this side of the cross. If we've placed our faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin, we've repented and we've trusted in him, we're forgiven. We don't have to worry about hell and there'll be works in our lives. When you see them, be encouraged. When you see that in the life of a brother or sister, be encouraged, be greatly encouraged. When you see uh, in your own heart a desire to serve the Lord and a desire to serve each other, be encouraged. That's a wonderful evidence of our salvation uh, this morning. Listen, I would say I have to add this morning this also. If you've never placed your faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin, your sins are not forgiven. Uh, if you have head knowledge of Christ uh, and no desire and no works in your life, uh, there's been no saving faith, you need to get that right this morning. I implore you, I encourage you, let's take a minute this morning and just say, Lord, I'm not sure there's ever been a time where I took the knowledge of Christ that I have and I've genuinely repented of sin and placed my faith in Christ. Lord, I can't remember a time when I for sure made that decision. Lord, I wonder this morning if that's why there's no desire to serve you. There's no desire to serve others. There's not works righteous works service in my life that would evidence that I'm one of yours. We get that right this morning. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning.
That saving faith saves. Lord, I thank you this morning that simple, humble, repentant faith, that of a child, uh, saves us from hell. Lord, I thank you this morning that throughout the Bible we see many evidences of salvation in 1 John. Love, here in James, works, service, love, obedience, serving you in through it. Lord, you've, you've given us all these wonderful evidences of our salvation. I thank you so much, Lord, for the encouragement we find uh, in these truths that you've revealed. Lord, if we're saved this morning and we know it and we're encouraged that you've given us a heart to serve and in fact there is service, we are serving you, I pray, Lord, this morning we just take a moment and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for uh, giving me a heart to serve, a place to serve in, in my church. Lord, thank you for blessing me as, I, as I've served you. Lord, thank you for all of the certain hope that I have because of my salvation. Church, I'll encourage you, just take a moment and, and thank the Lord. Tell him how grateful you are. There may be others here this morning who would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm just not sure if that's me. I'm not sure there's been a time uh, that I, I took what I knew in my mind and got that down into my heart and made a decision to place my faith in Christ. I want to encourage you this morning. The Bible says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. You, you can simply turn from sin and turn to Christ this morning and say, Lord, I'm going to make a, a choice, a decision this morning to trust in, to rely upon the Christ that I have only known about before today. Lord, I, th this morning I'm making you the decision to trust in Christ, the Son of God who I've only known about before today. You could pray this morning, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for your words that make that known to me. But Lord, I understand this morning that I've never really trusted in what I've known. I've never really trusted in you to be the basis for my forgiveness. I've never really trusted in you by placing my faith in you. And so this morning, as best I understand, I am making that decision. I'm placing my faith in you. I want to ask you this morning, keep your heads down, eyes closed. If there's anyone here that's made that decision this morning... I'll invite you just to slip your hand up and slip it down. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you in any way, but I would like to pray for you, and I'd like to be able to encourage you as your pastor. Is there anyone this morning who just slip your hand up? Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. That's me. I'm making that decision this morning. I see a hand this morning. I praise God for that. I praise God for that hand this morning. Pastor, that's me. This morning I've made the decision to place my faith in Christ and I'm trusting him to be my savior. What a wonderful decision. I rejoice with you this morning for making that decision. What a great decision indeed. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've made that decision before this day is over, tell someone. Say, hey, I want to tell you this morning, uh, I placed my faith in Christ today. I place my faith in him. I've trusted him to be my savior. 
That'll encourage someone else, and they'll encourage you right back. Lord, thank you so much this morning for a hand that's been raised, for a decision that's been made for Christ. Lord, what a joy. What a joy. I pray, Father, that you help our church to be an encouragement. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring forth works in the life of this person. And, uh, Lord, that those works would be an a, a pleasure to you and an encouragement to us. And, uh, Lord, thank you. Father, thank you. Lord, I thank you this morning for the privilege it is to serve you. Lord, you've done so very much for us. We can never repay you, but we can serve you. I thank you so very much for the privilege. Lord, I pray uh, today for our fellowship picnic time. I pray it'll be a good time of fellowship, of encouragement. Lord, that we would just take time to fellowship, to encourage one another. Lord, we thank you for the food that's been provided. I pray that you'll bless it to our bodies today. Father, I pray you bring us back here this afternoon and help us as we dig back into your words and your presence. Lord, to worship you in spirit and truth and to be greatly encouraged once again in your words. Lord, I do love you today. I thank you so very much for what you've accomplished. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you may look up here, please. If you've made the decision to trust Christ today, come and tell me. Come and tell me, please. I want to encourage you. Let's talk about that. Uh, just a little bit of instruction now regarding uh, our picnic time. So as soon as we close, uh, we're going to go down there. We'll get the grill going. We'll get food cooking. It'll take a few minutes, but that's okay. Um, I ask the, the gentleman, if you would, please, we need to get chairs outside from the fellowship hall out here to the side of the building. There's tables under tents. There's some that are not under tents. Uh, but if, gentlemen, if you're able to, young guys, you're able to, uh, let's get those chairs out there around those tables, and that'll be a help. We'll get food cooking. Uh, when everything is ready, we'll let you know. I guess we'll probably pray again, and uh, we'll eat Enjoy a good time of fellowship. We'll be uh, plan to be back here at 11.30, maybe uh, 1.30, 1.30, maybe just a little later. Does that sound good? Brother Art? Okay, good. Zach, you come, please. Uh, stand as we turn to number 157. We'll sing I'll Fly Away, the first and the last. Number 157. Some glad morning when this life is o'er fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, bye and bye. I'll fly away. Just
just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We pray you bless um, our services and fellowship to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.